you are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns, your team every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network for your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Um, you know, guys, as we've been mentioning, if you have not checked it out or you're looking for a new place, uh, go ahead and subscribe on the Himalaya app. Uh, you know, brand new podcasting app. Uh, subscribe to Locked On Browns over there. Um, something new to try, something different. Obviously, you know, free. Go to your, uh, you know, Google Play. Your uh, obviously your iTunes, your uh, iStore, whatever. Go ahead, check it out if you're looking for something different. Um, we got some things to get here to tonight as we move on down through it. But we want Pete to at least say goodbye to his heart, his franchise, his Birmingham Fire. Um, Pete knows a lot more about this than I do, but obviously, you know, the AAF, it, it, you know, looks like it's over. And as much as I think a league like this is needed, because you have so many kids who have been taught all their life football, 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 and there's not really much for them to go to, and it's such a regathering of their lives, and what am I going to do with myself now? If you found a right way with the NFL, and it, there's got to be a way, you know, look, every pro sport, whether it's hockey, it's basketball, Baseball, there is some sort of minor league system. The NFL, maybe if they ever truly chose to embrace it and find a way to make one work. But Pete, you know, it, it started off hot, and I mean, a lot of people were excited about it. You know, for me, it was some casual glances here and there. But as quickly as it came, it almost seems as as quickly as it left. Yeah, it's 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 frustrating on a lot of levels because you know, for all the things it wasn't, it influenced the NFL immediately by you know going to things like getting rid of the kickoff going with a new onside kick which almost passed in the NFL that alone uh, made it interesting certainly you had players that were talented players that deserve uh, you know shots on NFL rosters that look like they can clearly help uh, and I don't know when those guys will be allowed to sort of sign because it feels like that that would be you know more or less, you know, a, a race of itself because there's, you know, just looking from the Browns standpoint, you know, they're thin in the secondary. Guys like Jamar Summers, guys like Deron Smith, guys like Jack Tacho, uh, who are guys that, you know, well, Deron Smith was on the Browns. Uh, Jamar Summers was in the league. Uh, Jack Tacho, these were guys who, for example, for me, when I do my, you know, my draft targets, those were guys who were, who were targets for me. They were guys who were you know, had the athleticism and production, and they were doing things. They look like they can help a team, or at least be a body. Um, it's the the obvious go to is well, a league like this can't work. When and, and and this is going to open in layers. That this just seems to be a situation where a a, a billionaire or something approaching a billionaire, in this case, the guy who owns the Carolina Hurricanes who came in and, and bought the league essentially for $250 million, um, basically came in, you know, gave all these people a bunch of information about how this was going to go and everything was fine. Basically tried – it sounds like he was almost trying to blackmail the NFL Players Association into sort of bailing him out yeah. and then – Really, this was really a play. And and for, for one thing, 
that smelled fishy the second it started coming up because you were you know this far into the season and they had a product that was worth watching they, they didn't need the nflpa to come in and save it so it, it already even still sp- though the, those players weren't going to come now they're already into the 2019 season so it sure. was, just let it play out Right, and the whole goal of this thing was to eventually become a situation. Like their whole goal, stated goal, was to get players, you know, from the AAF to go to the NFL. That was going to happen, and like they, that was mission accomplished. And then it was basically being watchable enough that it was um, going to keep going. And you know, they didn't really have any marketable stars until until mm-hmm. Johnny Manziel comes back in uh, into this league and you know he comes in and he played well you know that first week he you know it, it was interesting and and you had suddenly a name that you could attach to the league and it was you know he was a star and all this other stuff he unfortunately got concussed by trying to tackle somebody with his head after throwing an interception um Jason Street don't do that yeah and it you know but this whole thing just seems to have been a ploy by by this the, the this this guy who came in and bought the league to get technology involved with apps and gambling and stuff and basically decided once he once he made the calculation that he couldn't get the NFLPA to come and basically you know take the financial burden from him he basically just decided it's not worth it not that it couldn't work or wasn't working, that he just didn't feel like doing it and just pulled the plug, which is why you have all these people, coaches, you know, the guys who essentially founded the league or as surprised as anybody. And he basically just, you know, got what he wanted and then bailed. And now. Well, that was the, Dan, that was the Dan Shanka, Pete, obviously a guy you respect, obviously a guy I respect a ton. That was the one tweet he had out today. He basically called him out and said, you took your ball and left. Right. So, you know, and, and that that makes it look like this is not a viable league beyond the you know the human cost here, which is you have careers, you have guys who have uprooted, you have you know which are reportedly being sent home and you know having to fly home on their own dime. This is how you know ugly this has gotten. Which you know the, the fallout here, and, and 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 you know I don't know you know where the XFL is and its development and all this stuff. But it's going to leave a sour taste in everybody's mouth when it comes to sort of trusting another league, even if you're players. Like this is, you know, if the goal is to ultimately try to get the NFLPA involved, this is one big shot at making sure that doesn't happen because they don't want to get, you know, essentially lied to and bilked as so many were. But I mean, you know, it's awful for the all these players who, you know, who are in a league who are preparing for Week Nine league are batting for playoff spots and all this stuff or whatever and basically said nope you're done go home you know it's just ugly and all that because up to this point whatever you felt about the league even if you weren't interested like it was enjoyable enough for people who just wanted football that wasn't like you know the arena league type uh, you know that level of gimmick or cfl with whole different rules it was you know nfl looking type football college you know looking football without you know without quite as much star power but the play the pace of play and stuff like that was good enough where you, it it made it very easy to get through a game so it made it very easy to stick with a game so you could end up watching it not feeling like you used up a whole afternoon uh, you know watching these things or night or whatever and ultimately it was successful enough that like CBS was putting games in 
uh, their big slots. Like I, my understanding is that the you know they I think it was going to be a game with uh, Johnny Manziel's team, uh, but they were going to have a an, a an AAF game be the lead in for the Final Four. Like this is how big of a deal this was that, that you know they they thought this much of it that they were weren't. You know, it started out being on CBS Sports and BR Live was carrying some of the games. And ultimately, NFL Network uh, was so invested to the point where they were playing replays of games, like replays of AAF games. Like, think about that. The fact that people were tepid enough on this that they weren't sure it was going to work to the point where NFL Network, which, you know, I think is a poorly run network anyway, but was so desperate for programming, so desperate for eyeballs that they weren't even caring. I mean, they had some live AAF games, but they were taking games that were played on the other networks and replaying them on their network because there was apparently that much interest. So the whole thing is just sort of, it just sucks. Like that's, that's it. And you know, it was the, as a lifelong Birmingham iron fan, it was the greatest season of our franchise's history. We were set for the playoffs and now we don't have that opportunity. Um, so, you know, jokingly, obviously pour a little out, but, um, the thing was, I mean, these guys, most of these guys were names. Uh, look, you you knew these guys. You know, Joey Embu was a guy I, I remember having a great relationship during his draft process. You know, was through the NFL in three to four years. Um, like we mentioned, though, it, it was very weird how it went down. Uh, you know, Ben Albright had kept saying, "No, it's here. It, it, it seems sustainable." And then all of a sudden, today, you know, the plug was pulled, and you know, like Pete said, it was the one guy who kind of held all the cards, just you know, basically taking his ball in Jackson, going home because. For whatever reason, um, you, you had a better shot of the NFL viewing the AAF as a possible minor league system than you will. The NFL's not going to get into bed with Vince McMahon. It's not going to work that way. I'd I, I be freaking stunned, like beyond belief. Um, the AAF had a shot in that route. And now you have, what, you have eight teams, all of these guys, and, you know, lives are, you know, up in you know, Johnny Menzel put out the tweet. Uh, if you got paid, pocket it away because you ain't getting another dime. So you know it's. It, I mean it's just just shitty. I mean at least let it run its course, play it out or whatever, and then revisit it whether or not you're gonna you know pump it up again. But it just just weird and you know who knows uh, you know. But the other thing is is what you would need to keep this thing going is you need somebody to come in with a whole crap load of money. And, you know, I don't know if anybody's going to come in and drop that money in here in this situation the way it is now. I mean, maybe it could be brought back next year, but I don't know. Just a weird, weird situation the way it all went down. The, the biggest mistake the league made, and it's really hard to avoid this, is the people who wanted to succeed the most weren't the people with the money involved. They ultimately had to get that out, and you get somebody who's more interested in this in a business proposition than it, it is as f- opposed to somebody who loves the game and wants it to succeed. It makes it very easy to get allow yourself to be put in a situation where they can do something like this, tell you all these things, and, and you're, you're willing to go along with it because you want this thing to succeed so badly, and they ultimately do what you know is best for them which is not in the best interest of your league. It's entirely up to them, and you end up being put in this situation, which is sad, but that's sort of the risk you took. Well, I mean, it's the old thing of, you know, the the, the, the case of, you know, the king doesn't work nearly as hard as the paupers, but the paupers are the ones that keep everything going. So it's just, I don't know, crazy, crazy weird situation. Um, we're going to get to some brown stuff here in a minute, guys. Remember to catch this show every day. 
subscribe to Locked On Browns on the new uh, Himalaya podcast app. In uh, every expanding podcast world, you need Himalaya with the personally curated playlists and new features every day. Download Himalaya at your app store and subscribe to Locked On Browns. Uh, Pete, obviously, you know, we uh, we got together last night, but I was in a little bit of a different venue. Um, we didn't get to get the thoughts here. The I guess we'll st- I guess we'll start with the trade yesterday. Um, and you know, guys, we had talked about this, and me and Pete had mentioned, like, you know, the Browns are going to be moving on some, f- for some uh, you know, obviously, fr- you know, from some players, but these guys now, it's not going to be like. It, it, it was, you know, there's going to be, these guys are going to be moving on to good teams, good places. You, I mean, you're cutting pieces that are serviceable. Uh, Emmanuel Agba, obviously traded to the Kansas City Chiefs beat. Eric Murray comes back in return. Obviously a guy John Dorsey knows very well. Um, I don't hate the move. What I, you know, and guys, you know, we like Emmanuel Agba. We, we've always felt that way. It's not that I hate the move. Yeah, I do hate moving on from a guy like Emmanuel Agba. Um, so, you know, before let's put it this way: when you and I have discussed um, the possibility of tra- trading for uh, trading Emmanuel Ogba or Duke Johnson, our big thing was don't get a pick, get a player. Um, and they did that. So that's the first thing: they got something that can help them now. Whether it actually works out that way, especially when you're drafting at 49, right? You can't they just got set your board and say, "All right, this is the way it's going to work out." It's not. So, so you know, if you if you're saying you know it's it's a player versus you know either, let's say a fifth round pick or a sixth round pick or whatever, I would rather get Eric Murray. Um, you know, you can quibble about what player you got. They got a player. That was our criteria for how you move this. That was the only way it made sense. Um, they did that. Now, do I think they got great value trading Emmanuel Agua? No, but. I think the contributions you can get from Eric Murray in terms of being on special teams, he's very good at it, and being a DB. This is the other mistake I think the Browns made, and it's not their fault. I think it would have been more accurate in terms of setting expectations if instead of putting SS in in his position position when he was traded, just put DB – because I think that's more reflective of what he's really going to be. Sure, if the Browns go outside and want to put 11 guys on defense, they can put Eric Murray back there and say they've got 11 on defense. But I think more likely his real contribution is going to be that of a dime. Um, and if he does that, that has value, and and that would help mitigate. The thing is, like again, special teams absolutely has value. Uh, being a dime player definitely has value. You know, weighing that against what I think Emmanuel Ogba can be for a team, I think ultimately, you know, it would not be very difficult for um, the Chiefs to get more out of Emmanuel Ogba than the Browns do get out of Eric Murray. And in that which, sense, I think they're ben- giving up value. Yeah. Which, However, which benefits Ogba, who's going to be in his contract here. It's a better spot for him to cash in. Sure. Uh, but at the same time, you know, weighing that against the fact that, you know, he's – you know, the the third or fourth or fifth defensive end on this roster, you know, moving him for a guy who is going to help you on special teams, who can be a dime back. I understand the move from that standpoint. I think you can lose a little bit of value and gain uh, in terms of overall benefit just purely on 
Emmanuel Ogba playing, you know, 20 snaps a game versus Eric Murray playing theoretically every special teams rep and being able to contribute as a dime player. And, you know, if, if you need be, he can back up both safety spots. I understand it from that standpoint. Um, I, I just think when we get Pat, you know, there's a real possibility that we're going to, you know, that as we watch the season play out, that the Chiefs get more out of Emmanuel Ogba than the Browns get out of Eric Murray, which does not mean that the Browns are wrong for doing it, but that it's just that could ultimately be the net result. And you know, you know, you, I don't want I don't want to get into you know. It's not like cutting Carl Nassib, him getting 6.5 sacks for the Tampa Bay Bucks, while Chad Thomas is not even active for 6.5 games. I, I think he, you know, I, and I hope Emmanuel Ogba has a great season for the Chiefs. I do, I don't think it would be fair to say, let's say, you know, throw out a number. Let's say Emmanuel Ogba has a great season, has eight sacks, but Eric Murray is very good. Like on some level, I'm sure people will try to, you know, criticize the move and say, well, they, he got taken, but. You know he's not going to get those numbers here, and if they do get some real value out of Eric Murray, you can still make the case that it was a good move. Like that's the difference. It's not it, Eric Murray contributing on all those units is not Chad Thomas being you know basically furniture at this point. Um, <laughs> Holding in the comparison, bench. right? Like that that that's the only distinction I would make on that. For you know if people are like. You know, going to try to get ready to second guess Dorsey uh, into the season. That as long as Eric Murray's giving you something that's positive, that's great. The, I, I, I just think it's very unlikely that the Browns are really thinking of him being a starting safety on opening day. Um, he, he did start nine games uh, last year, but it was on a horrible defense, and he's an okay player. I think he's more of a guy you. You you play in a pinch as opposed to a guy you want to roll out there on Sundays. Um, and obviously you know they had you know uh, you know had cut Derek Kindred in the day. I think Murray kind of comes in, and here's a guy that maybe gives a little bit more versatility for Derek Kindred. And guys, we had talked about this. You know, we we had spent a lot of time you know talking about you know do guys replace Jabril Peppers? Is that necessarily what they wanted? I think now maybe the land in, you know the line in the sand has been drawn. Where maybe it's not so much about a box safety, where it's going to be more about coverage, which you know, look, we couldn't say it at the time; we didn't know at the time. But you know, the one thing we did emphasize was is this team should be playing nickel and dime a lot if the offense does what it's supposed to. And Murray, look, Murray ran less, you know, ran below four or five at the NFL Combine, so you know he should be able to run with people. Um, is it a great piece? Is it a serviceable piece? Is he more flexible than Derek Hindred? Yeah, he's more flexible than Derek Hindred and what he can do. Um, you know, is it gonna cha- does it alter anything as far as what the, any moves they're going to make going further or as far as the drafts? No. Um, the one thing it, it, I, I do like about this, though, is if this was a guy from another franchise where there was no ties between John or, you know, say he was a Packer, I do like the fact that John said, no, I'm okay with this. You know, I I like this guy. I know what he can do. I know what he's going to do with what we... That's one of the things where you kind of got to trust him. Emmanuel Agba, look, if the Chiefs get a fully healthy Emmanuel Agba, yeah, he might get eight to ten sacks. Uh, You know, obviously they're void of pass rushers. 
D Ford's gone. Justin Houston's gone. Um, and look, I mean, and hopefully he goes there, has a great season, uh, pulls a snoozer in the playoffs in January, gets paid really well, and heads on off to the NFC. But I mean, good for Manny Lagba, a guy who, you know, in my opinion, and we, I've said it a bunch of times, you know, and Pete knows, at the time of his injury in 2017, was the defensive MVP of this unit. Um, it, it just sucks because the issue with Emmanuel Lagba is injuries. And I think he the career in Cleveland could have turned out a lot, lot brighter from Emmanuel Lagba if it wasn't for the injured injuries. Pete, that being said, Derek Kindred obviously moved on from, uh, you know, gets scooped up today. He's now going to be part of the Indianapolis Colts. Um, you know, uh, for Derek, it, it's nice that he doesn't have to go to a crap situation. He was part of the crap here in Cleveland. Was part of in you know look small part big part whatever you move on from guys who were good soldiers showed up every day did everything that was asked of them through the good and the bad and you know he'll get out to go on to now a team that does have other aspirations you know has solid aspirations in the Indianapolis Colts. Um yeah so first from the standpoint of the Browns um, waving him I'm going to go ahead and read into this that that means they don't want that type of safety. I, I think um, we've confirmed that now. Yes. Yeah, I think you know he's he was did his best in the box, and he you know Greg, Greg Williams loved him. I'm almost surprised he didn't end up in the Jets um, because of you know he he was a guy who came up and 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 made tackles on the edge, was willing to take on contact, would make plays in the backfield, uh, and he goes to a, a team that runs cover three, but is more inclined to use those big guys. Um, they've got. Uh, uh, gathers uh, as, as one of their big bodies. You know, Kindred's going to help out um, with that. And yeah, he gets to go to a contender, um, and he goes to a situation where they want what he has to bring, and he's got ability to help a team like that, and and potentially be in a situation where, you know, if if they want to put you know a big nickel uh, situation on the field, they can have. You know, Hooker is the true free safety, and then Gethers and Kindred is sort of um, two strong type guys that can be linebackers if they want to sort of emulate, you know, the the the, the way less linebacker approach and basically just build around uh, their their uh, all pro from their all pro rookie, uh, and, and just you know put a bunch of a smaller quick bodies on the field uh, with Eberflus there. So I mean I'm I'm happy for him from that standpoint, but I mean look, it's the same thing with Abba. Is you know these are these are two players that were part of the change in Cleveland, whether people realize it or not. You don't build culture, you don't import culture, you build it um, from the inside, and he those guys were part of it, and now they're both on teams that the Browns could see in January, uh, you know, in the playoffs, and they you know it's not going to be like. You know, it's not a situation. I mean, it's certainly you want the Browns to be better than the, those teams on that day, but it's it's certainly not an ill will type situation. I mean, on the, on the I think it's fair to say that we'd like to see both those guys do well for those team those teams uh, because they did well here. Uh, even if you didn't always you didn't love their contributions on the field, they certainly handled themselves the right way. Um, and were a positive influence in, in helping the Browns get get where they are now. The only thing I don't understand, and you know, we're still dealing with this. And I'll be curious to see how you know this goes with with Duke Johnson because he wasn't 
um, part of it. But you know, the 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 war with you know Sashi's draft picks not being here when there a lot of those draft picks are being used to help either build this team, part of this team, or have been moved in to get other things from other teams because, you know, in the same way the Chiefs are going through this right now is they're moving on from a lot of things Dorsey brought in to sort of go around their, you know, evolving identity. And now Dorsey's doing the same thing with some of those Sashi assets. And it's not some horrible rejection of, of, of Sashi. It's just how the league works. And you, you, you know, you're, you're, tastes and what you need and what you want and some of it i'm sure is a little bit of getting my guys as opposed to that guy's guys but at the same time you know Derek kindred fit with greg williams he apparently does not fit with uh with 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 steve wilkes so you give him a situation you give him an opportunity to go help another team and you go ahead and evolve with what you're doing agba you know, he doesn't fit with what you're doing. You at least got to use him to bring in something, you know, that can help you. Uh, it's on, you know, Eric Murray to validate that. It's on, uh, in this case, basically two two uh, substitutions for one. Um, and then, you know, now you have to fill those holes, uh, in this case, with um, you, using Peppers as the trade, Um to get Odell Beckham, which somehow reflects negatively on Sashi, how I don't know. Um, but the, and, and but the, the, you know it went, when Duke Johnson is ultimately moved, um, I don't think we're going to revisit you know Ray Farmer again um, because it's pretty understood he was bad. The but for whatever reason there, there there's an unwillingness to sort of accept that you don't have what you have with John Dorsey unless Sashi did what he did. But we, we we're still fighting that battle. The thing with with Duke is going to be, though, because John is the one who extended him. So, like, this is a little bit different. So, you know, I mean, and obviously, look, you know, not everything from Sashi era is going to get ripped up and thrown the hell out. It's it's not like, you know, you know the ex-wife touched this, so I'm going to burn it or it's got to go. You know, John obviously valued Duke, but maybe now it's, you know, well, I got Nick. You know, I was able to bring in Kareem, but now it's, you know, and now, and look, as a GM, I'm paying $5 million to a guy who I'm not sure what his role is. Um, When I extended him, we thought we really needed a receiving back because we were crappy, and most of the time we were going to play from behind. So the fact he could catch eight to nine balls on any given Sunday was fantastic. That is not the way it's viewed. But it's going to be interesting how the actual moving on from Duke goes because it's... You know, obviously it was a Ray, you know, obviously, as Pete said, Ray Farmer guy, but, you know, John did extend him, and now we're getting later and later into this process, and look, Duke wants out, I, I think the Browns are comfortable moving out, moving on, but usually, this, for me, Pete, I think this is the deal where it, it may not return dividends you're looking for, because once the players put his foot on the line and says, look, get me the hell out of here, I just want to play some football, it puts you in a tough spot to get back what you'd actually like. Uh, well, and then there's a you know Tom Pelissero was fed fed something by somebody in the team that the Browns are you know aren't just going to give away Duke Johnson, which may be you know more PR than it is anything else. But at the same time, they don't have to move him. I mean, the thing is, that, you know, both sides in that scenario, and I don't, I you know, as much as Duke would want to be traded and and because he wants to play, I mean that's what this comes down to. He wants to play. 
Um, at the same time, if ultimately they're unwilling to, to move him uh, because they don't have enough there, I do think he would come back and be professional because he always has been. I mean, there's never been a hint of anything else yep. um, with him. But but you can absolutely uh, you know I, I it was regarded as lip service when Freddie said there's a you know a role for him on this team I don't doubt there is for one second I have no doubt in my mind he's thought about you know what happens if Duke Johnson comes back because obviously had him for half a year and he's got um, that first eight weeks and there can be times where it's hey Nick look just sit here man I'm going I'm going five and I'm going to go no huddle. And we're going to blow it. You know, I, I, I do believe Freddie does believe there is the role, but there's just, you know, so much smoke. You got to believe there's fire. Oh, I, I think ultimately this is going to get done. But, I, you know, at the same point, I think, you know, whether it's the Browns or somewhere else, you know, you could make him a full time receiver. You can make him, you know, be, be a guy that you basically just. He basically is a joker where you can put him on anywhere on the field. He's going to do, do something for you, which ultimately I think is what other teams see. I think that's what they why they value him. And, and the Eagles are the one that comes up a lot. Um, but you know whether it's them or a team like the Patriots or somebody like that, they I think that's exactly the type of situation they look at him for. Um, but again, ultimately, I you know everybody keeps fra- framing this in terms of picks. I don't want a pick. I want a player. Give me something that's going to help. Um, Mike K. Um, you know with you know, covering Douglas, the Eagles. Right? Yeah, yeah, covering covering the Eagles, he, he does a great job uh, there. I mean, he has you know pieced together what is a really logical deal um, with with mentioning Duke Johnson for Rasul Douglas. Um, I, I do think that's a deal that could work out, and I think both sides would be very happy with that. Uh, you know, in a in a player for player move, you know, in part because Rasul Douglas is very cost controlled. The Eagles get a, a player that you know paired with Jordan Howard can can would be uh, you know two players that really do make over that position group, which has sort of been piecemealed. And and you know they, neither one has to be the guy, but both guys can absolutely contribute and make a good uh, make a good situation. But it, it's it's the exact same attitude I have with Emmanuel Ogba. I love draft picks. Anybody who knows me knows how much I love draft picks. But the Browns have moved to a point where draft picks don't really, you know, a, you know, a, a, a twenty draft pick or a late round pick this year doesn't really do much for me. Give me a guy who can contribute because it's a guy we're going to talk about for three months. It's most likely going to be a guy that's not going to be here. Yeah, and even if the guy they trade for maybe in the same boat, but at least he's you know been in the NFL. Got a resume. Something- yeah, there's something to evaluate against NFL competition, and it may be a similar deal where you get it. You know, in the case of Rasul Douglas, you get a guy who's you know on the last year of his deal, and it's you know it could be a tryout for both sides or whatever. Or you're just operating basically in, in the world the Eagles and the Patriots do, where you're getting guys on the last year of your contract. Um, they walk, you potentially get compensatory value back, and you just start you keep playing this cycle over and over and over again. Uh, guys, iTunes, rating reviews, uh, go ahead, uh, drop a five-star written review. Do me a favor, go ahead and check that out now. we got a bunch of good listener questions here, but I'll start with this one. Um, Pete, you mentioned some names in the beginning, and this is our buddy Dale Harris, and, and Dale's a good dude, really good guy. Um, all right, Pete, you mentioned some names. Take one AAF guy and bring him to the Browns other than Trent Richardson, though. Uh. I- 
Other, I, I'm not allowed to pick Trent Richardson. Right. No, 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 no. I know, I know, I know. Birmingham. But all those I know the loyalty. The all loyalty runs deep. Yes, I mean all those touchdowns that he could potentially not get in the NFL because he didn't do it. And and besides, you don't want to upset your guy Nick Chubb. Take uh, a guy no, from I, the AF. You know, put him I, in here. You you actually pointed him out to me because I didn't think about oh, it. Oh, Pete's giving me credit once. Well, take it. listen, you had a rough day yesterday and i felt feel like you know we got to build you back up a little bit yes, um, last night was, was a rough one look Duran smith was a guy i liked coming out of fresno state was a guy i liked with the bengals was a guy i liked with the browns when he was here uh he's a veteran safety that could come in and play and he's a top-down safety which is apparently what they want um and he was great in the aaf um i was thinking initially when you asked me before the show you know younger guys who are sort of making a splash there. But no, I mean, he's he's exactly the type of guy that would fit in here because he is a guy with an NFL resume. He is a guy who's done it. He is a guy who's played well, and he's been in Cleveland before. I, like, I, 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 it was one of the weirder things when they didn't keep him in the first place. Yep. Uh, that, yeah, absolutely bring him back uh, and give, give them another option because right now, even with Eric Murray, even if you want to say he's just a safety – um, I, they I still two. think they need two. Yeah, I, think, keep. I, I think they need two. Yeah, I mean, because you're normally going to keep four. So, I mean, he makes the most sense. Obviously, you know, if you're going to go cover three or whatever, even, he can do this. This is stuff he's capable of. We've seen him do it in Cleveland, obviously under bad circumstances. He's done it everywhere else. I think that is, without question, the uh, name there. Oh, well, this is one. Not even a question. Love this podcast. Keep, keep doing what you're doing, guys. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, that would be Jonathan. I can't read this late at night. The odds are too bad. I can't read the yet. Um, all right. Well, now here's one. It's not even so much a question, but a comment. Pete, our boy, Corey Coleman, the irony of the fact that now Corey Coleman could slide himself into a significant role with the New York Giants and Odell Beckham Jr. is here. First things first, Corey Coleman, go tear it the freak up. I mean, you got an opportunity. I mean, this is probably the best shot he's got since he's moved on from Cleveland, but the fact that Corey, Corey Coleman is now a giant and Odell Beckham Jr. is here now wearing the brown and orange. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's funny how things work, but at the same time, you know, when, when Corey Coleman was here, and, and, and you cannot dispute this. It's it's not, it, not a question of talent with him. He has talent. It's entirely a question of whether or not he's going to own it, be an adult, and really work hard at, at his craft. So no more IG of, models. Those and take stop yeah, doing that. and take some accountability for you know his own mistakes during his time in Cleveland. And I'm hoping that what he did uh, for the Giants when he was there this past year, and the fact that he is getting tendered, um, he you know he's going to be back. That was kind of funny. Uh, Had to make sure you threw that tender on Corey Coleman because he's already been around the league in you know about four months. He was already around everybody's doorstep. So you know, I, I, hopefully this you know this tender deal, and this this you know the, the, Grant he's on his third team, uh, but he is there and they want him. Uh, the opportunity for him to really be a nice fourth, player. Fourth team wasn't he a Patriot for a cup of coffee? Yeah, yeah. So Buffalo. Then, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, fourth, so fourth. fourth okay. Fourth. Um, that. You know, maybe all of this moving around is is and and growing up a little bit, and just the fact you know a little bit older, hopefully a little bit wiser, that he's going to figure this out and put together a great career. Like, 
you know, it, I, I want him to be great, not because it would, you know, not to go, oh, the Browns missed out on that. It's more, you we know, like the this, player. We like the player. Well, I mean, you don't want, you know, we want to see the kid grow up and be successful. I mean, it, it you know, he's got a world of talent. It's, you know, you don't want to see great players unless they are legitimately, you know, pieces of shit. Um, <laughs> you want them to be successful you know it's it's like kyler murray i i i'm i'm not willing to take that leap but i absolutely want him to be great because it'd be awesome for the nfl to have that kind of athlete and that kind of talent flying around and being great in it all you know nothing but the best in terms of making the nfl better so i i hope so from that standpoint um but at the same time i you know odell beckham i'm i love it uh i think you know I love the fact he's here. I love the fact he's dressing like the French pr- Fresh Prince. I love the fact that he seems. I was to going be- more Andre Agassi, but I agree. I guess I guess you there. <laughs> I know, and we immediately both went to uh, uh, White Man Can't Jump, uh, yes, but the hat, yes, yes. Um, but uh, you know, I-, I love the fact that everybody seems to be you know excited and energetic as much as you know, Freddie Kitchens was, you know. Basically saying that, you know, telling everybody in the outside world, you you, might, you can go to hell, hell for all I care. It's about what's going on in here and, and what we're doing is a way to sort of, you know, te- temper expectations but not really temper expectations and just try to put it, putting out there that he's not going to let anybody sort of push him or any of those things, which is great and, and all that stuff. So – you know, it, for him, it just seems about. It's not that he's you know contentious or anything with the media. I think he's being genuine. We did what says all oh, these things. To a, I, think, he, I think he's genuine to a fault, and I don't think they realize it yet. And I think he just you know he's just looking at it as I want to get out there on the practice field and be able to work with these guys and get better. Um, and then you know we'll win games or we won't um, type thing. So yeah, I mean it's funny how things work out, but. Uh, hopefully it works out for everybody in the end. Uh, you know, there's <laughs> all of a sudden there's a pile of guys on the Giants that you know I'm rooting for to be great. Um, so hopefully that works out. Um, yeah, just draft a quarterback. That's that's all we ask. Just just draft a quarterback over there. I mean, Giants, stop! You got two first round picks. You can't think Eli's going to play forever. You just can't. You just can't. Um, the thing with Corey Coleman being in, with the New York Giants, I was a huge fan, guys. This is well before I was even doing Brown stuff, hosted a lot on Browns. I loved Corey Coleman coming out of the draft. I really did. Um, and, and I go back to the line from the Bronx Tale, uh, you know, Lorenzo the bus driver. Wasted talent. Kid, get your shit together. You got the talent. You know, eliminate the negatives. Eliminate the bull crap, bullshit, whatever. Get your head on straight and go play ball. That's all you got to do. And you know, we'll see how it works out. You know, I, I hope Corey Coleman, you know, you know, hits his stride because nobody, and we, as much as we talked about this with Bashard Perriman, nobody wants to see this for a guy who was drafted extremely high where it didn't work out for whatever the reason, A, B, C, I don't care. You know, at the end of the day, we want a better product. We want better football. So, you know, Corey Coleman, go tear it up, man. Um, Josh Smith, Pete, how do you feel about Freddie Kitchens and his embracing the uh, gimmicky, uh, gimmicky play calling style, and do you think uh, and the effect Munkin will have on the offense? I just want to question. I just want to thank John Wright for the question before. Obviously, I mean, well, not the question, but the comment. John, uh, Corey Coleman, Old Beckham, 
But Pete, uh, you know, from Josh Smith, the kitchen's gimmicky. And look, you know, you don't need your third string tailback maybe throwing the ball every now and then. And Monken coming on in here with the crew that they have now. I, I, I don't know if I think of what uh, Freddie Kitchens is doing as gimmicky. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I understand what you mean when you said, you know, when you have, you know, uh, Dontrell Hilliard throwing a pass. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you know, God knows we've been dealing with, you know, being overly cute um, with Hugh Jackson for two years. Um, but, yeah, and there are times where certainly I think Freddie gets, you know, too far into it. But at the same time, like, I don't view the concept of, of going into that wing T stuff into that uh, old school, old school three back backfield as gimmicky. I think there's, you know, it worked. Honestly, I, I, I don't look at that stuff and go, "Oh, that's a gimmick." I, I get it from the trick play standpoint. If you're saying the trick plays and that's what you mean, then yeah, uh, you know that there tends to be a point where you know it, it, it gets too cute by half, and and certainly Hilliard is Hilliard's pass was sort of the. Um, the poster boy for all things cute so yeah. far under Freddie Kitchens. It's it you know it's it's like when Hugh Jackson called a flea flicker from inside his own ten. Um, or this, that, the, I remember the with Deshaun Kaiser the audible to the speed option to Crowell. I mean, like what the? I mean, come that, on. You know, this, you know, this is a, and this everybody is a, was blaming Kaiser. No, that place should have never been there. That that audible should have never been there. He's a rookie, yeah. for God's sakes. And then you know this this has a proud heritage dating back to Lawrence Vickers trying to throw a pass. Um, look, I, I think Freddie Kitchens is a really really smart guy in terms of offense. I think some of the things he does are downright brilliant in how he creates matchups and those type of things. I, I think there's a limit to where, how far you want to go in, in creating those tricks. But at the same time, like you might consider that. Uh, that inside slot handoff to Jarvis Landry, you know, sort of a trick play. It's not, but I, you know, you can sort of see it, see it that way. Oh, and that was just it, smart coach. That's it, one you can't fault him on. And that was, you know, it was a really brilliant play call because they they managed to manipulate, you know, the linebacker completely out of the play and Luke Keekley, uh, based on some tendencies he had and what they had been reading, you know, what he had been reading them on, and completely got him out of the way. You know, set Landry up for that enormous run where he makes one move, goes forty, and then you know the wheels fall off and he gets tackled. But uh, those type of things to me aren't trick plays; those are really, really smart plays. Like he does things that are really great from that standpoint. And what does Todd Munkin do? Todd Munkin is a guy who, you know, I think he gets into the numbers, really finding where. Uh, First, cutting out inefficiencies and getting rid of plays that don't work or getting out of tendencies that don't work and really emphasizing what does work and doing more of it. So basically, you find either plays that are successful, concepts are successful, attacking certain players or certain positions that are really successful and just – hammering that and then what that looks like in the game is you're passing that information along real time to Freddie Kitchens who can adjust on the fly and now you have you know a substantial amount of offensive brain power that complements each other and it and it now gives the put the ball in Baker Mayfield's hands and now he just has to go out and operate and that's really exciting like I think you know for guys like 
Jake Burns and those who do those, you know, the, you know, the b-ball break or the football breakdown, um, you know, those clips and stuff like that, that becomes, you know, the equivalent of football porn is yes. you really get into it and you can see how it's manipulating defenders and all the things he's forcing them to try to be honest to in a given play or a given series or over the course of a game, that that really becomes brilliant in a way that, you know, and, and with guys like Jake and the and the things they're willing to go and do, and Dan, Dan Lobby to an, you know as a guy in this vein, they can then try to, you know, filter that down to a way that people can you know the average reader can come in, you know, watch a couple of clips, read the article with it, and really understand what he's doing. Uh, that makes the fan smarter and the fan be able to enjoy those things even more than on the level of Baker made a great throw to a wide open receiver or whatever, being able to get into the science and everything that allowed that to happen and seeing the plays that sort of lead up to that and, and really understanding the story of how these things come to come to fruition and how, how, uh, how much, how satisfying that is from a coaching standpoint and then how satisfying that is to understand it from a fan standpoint. Yeah, and where Pete brought up, you know, the Jarvis Landry and the two, obviously the two counterplays versus the Carolina Panthers, but that was almost like the one where it was like, you know, you know, like there was a candle burning for Freddie, but then it was almost like, well, are we going to light the lamp? I mean, wait a minute, why not? You know, because you had a guy who showed the ingenuity, you had a guy who was willing to think outside the box, and you know, Baker, you know, at twenty, Baker was not your average rookie quarterback in any way whatsoever. Um, extremely intelligent, extremely football smart, and you know understood that you know, you know, and especially where he came from, obviously with Lincoln Riley, you know, and it was like, all right, yeah, well, I mean, as long as it's going to lead to success, yeah, let's try anything, and then that's where you saw, you know, almost you know, literally putting the ball up for free against Baltimore, and you know, you know, let's we'll give our golf clap, Jarvis Landry caught, he scored, um. But continue to do that. And look, I mean, you have Odell here who's thrown, I think he's thrown at least two touchdown passes in the NFL. I'm not sure if he's thrown any more than that. Jarvis Landry, I mean, there's going to be some fun with that. But the point is, you don't always, you're going to want to go to the kiss theory somewhat with it, Pete, right? Keep it simple, stupid. Uh, Just do what you have. I mean, it's fun, and every now and then you're going to see it. Look, I mean, there's going to be it, I mean, because, you know, Odell's going to ask for it. Jarvis is going to ask for it. Hell, we may end up with a David Njoku reverse, or hell, David Njoku may end up throwing a pass. But look, just please make sure you know it's not going to cost anybody a game at any time. But well, look, I mean, the thing that's of also it is, Freddie though, and it goes back to the the first couple of days on the job is going to the offensive line room and saying, "Give me your five or six best running plays, the ones you guys like." That's what you like about Freddie is that he will entertain everybody. And take everybody's input and try to make everybody happy. I think on some level you're right that it is in his DNA. But at the same point, I think it's also partly it was anything to try to reduce the amount of pressure that was on Baker Mayfield as a rookie. And I think as he gets as he grows into year two, it's only going to be more. Yeah, how much can I stack on your plate? (laughs) Well, it's but that, but it's also going to be you're gonna you're you're going to be less and less and less inclined to take the ball out of his hands because he's just so potent that you know there may be things you do that you know get other guys doing things like Jarvis Landry throwing a pass or the you know that the Philly special two-point conversion stuff but you may not feel as as desperate to do something like 
the Dontrell Hilliard pass, and that may feel like a little bit more of. I still remember. To- I still remember sending that message to you. I'm like, all right, now we're getting too damn cute. And you were like, yeah, yeah, I get it. Yeah, I mean, there's you know, it's always a balance. You it, it, look. I mean, and we talked about this when we did the playoffs. Is you know, uh, the Patriots run the ball, run the ball, run the ball in the, in the playoff game, <laughs> and then they get down there, and then McDaniel's. Uh, you know, throws a cutesy pass, it's intercepted. I mean, that's the nature of it. It wasn't like it was a trick play. It was just play action dominant the two and you've been running the ball all the way and the guy made a great play when you probably could have run the ball you know, or I don't think probably. You could have run the ball into the end zone and, and gotten it there and, and I think in some ways McDaniels got bored and went for a pass there after running the ball seemingly 15 times and that's what you're trying to deal with. Yeah, I mean, for me, um, let's have Odell catch 60-yard touchdown passes, not throw them. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> um, guys, this is uh, it, it's been a fun episode here. We got to a bunch of stuff. Uh, we have some other topics here. We can still continue putting a hopper as we get closer and closer. We want to start talking maybe AFC East and the moves those teams have made, obviously, you know, with uh, facing all four of those teams this year. Um, we're going to face the uh, NFC West. We'll get into that a little bit, you know, as the weeks go on and on. I uh, want to thank you guys all for some great questions here. We were to get you know Pete's feedback here as you know we were with Jeff Risden last night. If you guys haven't checked that out, make sure you do. Um, you know, we were you know broke down obviously you know Kindred, you know, obviously the Agba Murray trade. Um, obviously Duke, it's it it, it, it is what it is. It's going to happen. Um, could it happen as a trade ship up during the draft? I mean, it, it, it's tough. I mean. Because you feel bad leaving Duke in the limbo right now because he can't do anything football-wise because as you start to garner yourself closer and closer to the 2019 season and you're putting things in, you don't want to end up in a position where you're giving information to a guy who may not be here. You know, So somebody, make a decent offer. Jets, Deron Lee, throw us a draft chalice. Duke Johnson, uh, you know, I don't know, something of that nature. Who knows? Let's see how it goes. Um, guys, uh, Pete's busting his chops. Always over at uh, NFL Spin Zone. We'll get a fun. All right, Pete, I'll ask you this. Draft board. What's the number looking like? What do you think for a number this year? Where are you at? Getting close yet? What, as far as my overall number of targets? Yes, sir. Uh, I think I'm close. I'm getting close to 100 at this point. Um, you know, it's... It's not going to be as as good as it was last year. It's not. I think you know. I think the more this process is played out, you and I have you know really come to a con- consensus that it's just it's it doesn't it's not that it doesn't have talented players. It's just a, a certain positions are really really good, and then there are other positions where like corner and God knows that that when people are going to get a chance to listen to that. Um, that road the the Road Dogs podcast with us on it. You're gonna find out just how barren it gets. Yeah. Um, how quickly at certain positions, and, and that's really where difficult. and that's what, and even because that was me, you, that was Steven. We were all like, uh, I, and um, a name that's been a fan favorite on this. Um, the way we did it, we did it through the uh, the Draft Network, uh, you know, mock draft simulator. Um, a fan favorite of the show got. Four times did he get nominated, Pete? Four times before he. Yeah, and it was just because you know we got 
He was really good early, and then it was like, all right, well, somebody was a little bit better, but he got nominated like you know, in the third round, in the fourth round, and then I think he went maybe in the fi- in this second selection in the we, fifth. Yeah, we, we just got a very um, weirdly board that just picked off a bunch of really good players, and, and granted, that could happen, but that's... You know, it, that's that that was the situation we were put in, where it was difficult to come up with three quali- qualified nominees, and it became very easy to figure out who's going to get the the nod almost immediately. And it was funny though, guys, because uh, each one of us got to a point where it was like, all right, we'll p- pick a guy you take here, and you know, four, five, uh, tight ends, wide receivers, bring up the so- strong state, bring up the corner, and it, it definitely, definitely got down. But either way, it was a good time. So yeah, check that out because uh, Luke and Mike do a nice job over there. Good guys. Um, Dane Brugler um, saying today that you know Justin Lee at forty nine would be a great pick for the Browns. Dane, I'm trying to get past this. I'm trying to accept the fact he will not be there. Stop throwing some more wood in the ambers and get that fire going again. Look, if they want to will this thing into existence and... And then there was somebody today, though, we could see a late run of a bunch of offensive linemen go late in the first round. I'm like, guys, what are you doing to me? No, that's all. I'm all for it. And then, you know... If he doesn't make it out of round one, you got... I'm going to tell you guys right now. uh, Thursday night, April 25th, up until the... You know, round two starts on the 26th. I'm going to be a rambling goddamn madman. I will be throwing every piece of furniture to get up to get Justin Lane. Well, that, but I mean, let's say, let's say, you know, he does make it to 49 in, in some weird world. I, I do, I, you know, I, I, we both think that if they love Justin Lane, they would move up for him. But, you know, play that game because at that point, I think you try to immediately start getting people on the phone from moving up to 80 and get him and the safety you like, you know, if it's a Darnell Savage, if it's, you know, whatever, and really come away with the, that, that you feeling good about your, your secondary. You guy. It's okay. Juan Thornhill, yes. Well, I mean, Find a way. yeah. Yeah, and that's Juan it. Thornhill's the man, but, you know. Because you after that, it's, it's developmental guys and depth guys. I don't know if there's going to be any spots left. Yeah, so, I mean, if you can come away with your first two picks, you know, feeling really good about your secondary, you've had a good night. Now, certainly, we, you know, love guys like Kalen Saunders and such. But you can't, you can't. I could not argue with that. I, I certainly would hope that they'd draft defensive linemen, basically the rest of the draft, and an often, you know, and op- developmental offensive linemen. But that's that's what this draft class really represents. No, no doubt. Uh, so guys, uh, check out all Pete's work over at NFL Spin Zone. You know, uh, continuously working, obviously, you know, getting yes through here the draft process as the Browns are manipulating the roster as we go through it. Uh, so make sure you're following at underscore Pete Smith underscore. The at Lockdown Browns Twitter account. Uh, we're going to keep it a follow back account. Closing in on 5K. Let's get there before the draft. Uh, we do keep it follow back account. So, uh, you know, make sure. Let's go that. Uh, we're actually developing some good relationships. A lot of people listen to the show. They're not big on Twitter, but, uh, you know, through the DMs, you know, they, they ask a lot of questions. That's not bad. Sometimes it's a nice break from the Twitter timeline, guys. I cannot lie. Uh, follow me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Um, I can't appreciate it, guys. Uh, again, here we're blowing up out the box again for another month. Um, obviously, April, you know, should turn out to be a great month. Obviously, with all the draft coverage, and as you know, we start to see, you know, the final, you know, pieces of what will be the roster that will go to camp brought in. Um, blast with it as always. iTunes running reviews, keep those coming. Uh, if you're looking for a new podcast app, make sure you're checking out Himalaya. You know, go, you know, go to your, you know, iTunes, you know, go to your Apple Store, you know, whatever on your phone here. 
download Himalaya. If you're looking for something different, check check out, subscribe to Locked On Browns. This has been the daily delivery of all things Log Pound. LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.